Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic uh, Thursday so far. We had an awesome event last night. Uh, so much fun uh, at uh, the uh, Old Smoky uh, event. Lots of you, I shared a picture, but I had so much fun. Uh, Chad Withrow, Jonathan Hutton, the Old Smoky crew, everybody who put that together, everybody who performed. Uh, it was just really, really fantastic. So we had an incredible time. Uh, wanted to tell you, thank you for everybody who came out, early college football celebration in general. Um, and we've got a uh, this book, right? Uh, American Playbook is coming out soon. And I got a great uh, got a great lineup here for everybody out there. They have shared with me uh, the list of where we are going. Um, and uh, we're gonna close it out in Milwaukee. We're gonna take over a theater the night before the uh, Republican debate in Milwaukee. I've actually never been to Milwaukee before. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. We're gonna close out there. Uh, I will share with you if I could pull it up right now, the list of, book signings that we're going to be doing off the top of my head in no particular order. We're going to be in the New York City area. We're going to be in Cleveland. We're going to be in Atlanta. We're going to be in Tampa, Florida. Uh, we are going to be, as I just mentioned, in Milwaukee. We're going to be in Houston, Texas. We're going to be in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I believe a couple of others uh, on top of that. So we're going to hit, I don't know, 9, 10, 12, whatever it is, different states for events. I'll also be doing one here in my hometown of Nashville. And then we're also going to be doing events surrounding the college football season uh, in September and October when I'm on the road for games. We'll try to set up uh, a variety of different events there. But the big event, uh, the night before the Republican debate in Milwaukee, uh, if you go to that event, you get a copy of the book. We're going to sell out a big theater. Uh, they're taking care of it. I can't wait. So I'll, I'll share uh, the link of all the places that I'm scheduled to be over the next couple of weeks. This book will be out August the 8th, a little bit over two weeks from now. Uh, I cannot wait uh, to get there. All right, several different things that I think we need to talk about. Yesterday, I discussed the IRS whistleblowers. Not surprisingly, buried on page 14 of the New York Times, barely covered, if at all, by CNN, MSNBC, all of the usual suspects there. But we got two more what I would call blockbuster stories that have dropped today so far that I believe are incredibly significant. First of all, and this is the one that I've been talking about the most, the FBI knew that the Hunter Biden laptop was real. They have known that since November or December of 2019. But for the first time that I've seen an FBI agent went under oath and told uh, the uh, the House committee that they knew the Hunter Biden laptop was real. And, and this is important, they knew that 
even as they were asked by Twitter, by Facebook, by Instagram, by all of these different social media companies, when the New York Post story about Hunter Biden and the laptop came out in October, they knew the laptop was 100% real, and they elected not to tell those social media companies the truth. This is a big deal. Somebody at the FBI, and this is what I've been hammering on because I think it goes directly to the essence of the corruption at the FBI. Somebody at the FBI knew that the Hunter Biden laptop was real, and they were having meetings on disinformation and misinformation with all the big tech companies, and they didn't tell the big tech companies or the American public, yes, that laptop is real, even though they knew the laptop was real. Now, why is this significant? Because then 51 intelligence agents came out and signed a letter trying to say that the laptop was Russian disinformation. If the FBI truly cared about misinformation, they would have spoken up and said, actually, that letter is a lie. The laptop is real. This is not Russia trying to influence the election. The FBI didn't do that, even though they had the information, according to this uh, statement under uh, oath that is now out, that came out this morning. Now, why is that significant? Over half of Democrat voters still believe the lie that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. Think about that for a minute. Over half of Democrat voters still believe the lie that was peddled by Joe Biden and those 51 intelligence agents that the, uh, that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. So this is, I believe, the FBI was complicit in allowing the Democrats in the 2020 election ongoing to now, the FBI has been complicit in allowing the greatest misinformation to be shared in a modern American political election while they were claiming that it was important to catch disinformation and misinformation on social media sites. They allowed the rig job to take place. You say, okay, what's the larger significance if the truth of the Hunter Biden laptop had been public and had been disseminated fairly widely and honestly to the American public, Joe Biden would have lost the election to, uh, to Donald Trump. Even with all the other chaos going on, even with all the other voting and everything else, if the truth had been told about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, and if the FBI had admitted that the Hunter Biden laptop was 100% real as they knew it was, instead of declining comment and allowing censorship of this story to occur, if they had simply told the truth, then Donald Trump would have won in 2020. So the FBI rigged the election for Joe Biden by refusing to admit what they knew to be true, which was Hunter Biden's laptop was 100% real. And... The 51 intelligence agents who signed a letter saying that it was not engaged in the greatest rigged disinformation campaign. And the FBI, which claimed that it cared about misinformation and disinformation being shared during the 2020 election, was directly complicit in allowing 
the rig job to occur, that they knew was a lie. They didn't speak out and tell the truth. We now know that because we have an under oath uh, testimony from inside the FBI. That's a big deal. Second big deal. Second big deal on this uh, is we also had, just in the last couple of hours, another FBI report, which has been covered up and hidden and was just released in the last couple of hours, that Joe and Hunter Biden were paid millions of dollars by Burisma, a Ukrainian company, with the goal being that Joe Biden would ensure that a prosecutor, among other things, was fired. Joe Biden, who was investigating Burisma, Joe Biden is actually on the record. There is audio of him bragging about demanding that that prosecutor in Ukraine get fired. Just ask yourself this. When have American politicians ever gotten involved in foreign prosecutions and who is and who is not the prosecutor? I can't ever remember an American political official doing this. Biden bragged about holding up a billion dollars for Ukraine until they fired a prosecutor. This was part of what Donald Trump was referencing in his phone call with Zelensky that he was impeached for. Now, hold on a sec. This is a big deal. Okay. This is a really big deal. So we have got a situation where Joe Biden escaped all responsibility. There are reportedly 15 audio recordings of Hunter Biden with the Burisma executives. Two of them additionally involve Joe Biden, 17 total according to this FBI report. The Biden crime family got millions of dollars from Burisma. They did the bidding of Burisma executives, which is why they were being paid in the first place. The Burisma executives said, that his dog was smarter than Hunter Biden, but the reason they were paying him was because of him being able to influence Joe. All right? So, millions of dollars in payments. Where did all that money go? Most of it not reported on tax returns. And bragging that the money was wired so many different ways that nobody would ever be able to trace it. This is the executive at Paris. They impeached Trump for asking about this. They didn't do anything to Joe Biden for actually doing it. Just think about how wild this is. You want to talk about a crazy Department of Justice. This is where we are in the American political universe. Donald Trump got impeached for asking Ukraine about illegal payments that were made to Joe Biden when he was vice president, uh, and to Hunter Biden, according to this FBI report. It's a big deal. Just tossing it out there. It's a big deal. If it were alleged, and I, I love to play this game because people's, you know, it's hard to argue against it. How big of a story do you think it would have been if it was alleged that Donald Trump Jr. and Donald Trump got paid $10 million by shady Ukrainian business interests, bragged about refusing to give Ukraine a billion dollars until a prosecutor was fired who was investigating the shady business that was paying you $10 million in the first place. Do you think maybe that might be front page story? 
It makes all of the Russia collusion. It makes every allegation against Trump look like child's play. We got to, who got to hold the document dispute in uh, Mar-a-Lago? That's what Trump is, they're trying to put Trump in prison for the rest of his life. We've got one riot that was led by uh, conservatives, by right-wingers, in a, in a year where there were hundreds of riots that Kamala Harris tried to raise money for the rioters to get them out of prison, and they're trying to go after Trump for January 6th. No Democrat politician's been held accountable at all for any of the riots that took place all throughout the summer of 2020. All right? So all of this is crazy. What Joe and Hunter Biden did is what Democrats have been alleging that the Trump family did. The Bidens are guilty of everything they told you that the Trumps were guilty of. So these are two, I would say, bombshell revelations, which continue, in my opinion, to provide more credence and evidence for why next week the Hunter Biden plea agreement cannot be accepted. In no measure or magnitude is that a fair uh, process that was followed, all right? It absolutely must be rejected. I saw Alan Dershowitz come out and say the same thing. He's obviously a much more skilled practitioner of legal arts than I am, but we have the same opinion next week. The judge in that case cannot accept the Hunter Biden plea deal. We'll be right back. Got to take a little break here. We are rolling without kicking. You don't want to miss a moment. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Uh, so that is what is going on right now. These are big stories. If you don't listen to Clay and Buck, if you don't read OutKick, if you don't watch these shows, a lot of people don't know. And that's why this I keep harping on what's covered and what's not covered. Again, over 50% of Democrat voters think the Hunter Biden laptop is Russian disinformation. They just don't know the truth. And it's crazy to me. But that's what happens when the New York Times, the Washington Post, MSNBC, uh, CNN, they won't cover this. They are protecting the Biden crime family. They treated Trump like he was Satan, like he was Hitler. And all of the things that they said about Trump, Biden's actually done, and they pretend that it's not going on. And a big reason why is because Democrats now favor censorship. They believe that if you say something that hurts someone's feelings, that potentially could be a crime. And I actually, I give tremendous credit to Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who the more I hear from, the more I like him. I would vote for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. for president. I would. I, there are lots of things that I disagree on uh, with him on. But I care the most about any issue at all about the full First Amendment being a robust marketplace of ideas. That is my absolute uh, focal point. It's a big part of the discussion in my book, American Playbook, is 
without a robust and uninhibited First Amendment, we don't have a free country. There are lots of people that I think have loony ideas on the left. I think reparations is absolutely insane. It is indefensibly dumb, in my opinion, for reparations to even be debated as a legitimate public policy. But I think everybody who wants to advocate for reparations should be able to do so. I think the idea of kids under the age of 18 getting gender reassignment surgery is absolutely barbaric and should not be permitted. But I think you should be able to argue in favor of it. The difference now between what I think are committed, rational, reasonable humans, Democrats, Republicans, and independents, there's about 30% of the country that has hijacked this country and driven it off a left-wing cliff. And I give credit to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. for standing up against those people. Remember, he was testifying in a hearing today on censorship. He is running for president as a Democrat. And he gave a stirring defense of the First Amendment and said that his dad, Robert F. Kennedy, that his uncle, John F. Kennedy, uh, Harry Truman, FDR, all the way up to Jefferson, all Democrats, he said they would never, ever have supported the idea of the government infringing upon the First Amendment because it is our most important of all rights because without it, we have no other rights. It used to be the case that a liberal, a traditional liberal, would defend everybody's right to say what exactly they believe. Wasn't too long ago. Do you remember the People versus Larry Flint? Go back and watch that movie. I was thinking about it recently. Woody Harrelson plays Larry Flint. He is the hero of that movie, and the Reverend Jeff, Jess, uh, Reverend Falwell is sort of the villain, although they end up coming together and having a reproachment of sorts. But the idea is that even a vile pornographer like Larry Flint should have his free speech protected. And uh, it is a seminal case in the law. Republicans have shifted places in many ways with Democrats. I've been consistent. You'll read in this book, the first thing I ever got published was a robust and uninhibited defense of the First Amendment when I was a freshman at George Washington University in college. But it used to be the case that after 9-11, for instance, you had Bill Maher lose his job because he said, you could say a lot of things about the terrorists of 9-11, but he said you can't call them cowards because being willing to die for what you believe in is, by an objective measure, not cowardice. Now, you can say it's immoral. You can say it is uh, evil. You can say many things which are all epithets, which should be directed, in my opinion, towards the 9-11 terrorists. They took Bill Maher's television show away. That was a right-wing war on what you were allowed to say on a television program, by the way, that was called Politically Incorrect. And so I am apprehensive in general with defining speech based on any political party because we have seen speech censored in multiple directions throughout United States history. But right now, I would vote for a Republican for president 
based entirely on the idea that defense of the First Amendment is the cardinal and foundational value of the party. Now, I give credit to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. because I do believe that a lot of Democrats agree with him. I think a lot of Democrats see this cancel culture, this restriction, this censorship that is going on and say that it is uh, in the antithesis of what Democrat Party historically stood for, which is why RFK Jr. citing past Democrat presidents uh, as historical supporters of the First Amendment has such a cogent value. Because I actually think lots of Democrats disagree with how far left-wing their party has gone. But Debbie Wasserman Schultz tried to censor Robert F. Kennedy's speech from inside of a censorship hearing. Think about how wild that is. Think about how wild it is that the Democrat Party is so terrified of what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is saying that they are fighting his ability to say it at all in front of a congressional hearing. It's just wild. It's just wild that we have gotten ourselves here. All right, a couple of other different things, much less serious. Like I said, we had a tremendous time last night. Thank you to everybody who performed. It was super fantastic. SEC Media Days underway. Uh, I shared a clip, a uh, picture. I think I shared some uh, some video uh, on my Instagram account and my story if you're interested in seeing how it went. But thanks to Parmalee. Uh, thanks to Megan Patrick. Thanks to Drew Parker. They were all great. Uh, the DJ was was fantastic as well. We just had an amazing time. There haven't been. I got to meet a lot of people in media. Enjoyed talking to a lot of people that were in town uh, for this event. Uh, but Lane Kiffin uh, has probably made the most news, I would say. Earlier today, Lane Kiffin dove into the idea of NIL and called the current state of college football a disaster. Uh, he said he's happy players can get paid, but that the NIL is a pay-for-play system. Players follow the money. Teams with the most money get the best talent. And he also said, and I agree with, uh, with Lane Kiffin in many ways on this, he said the transfer portal creates free agency. Um, and so it's basically, uh, here's Kiffin, we got professional sports, with no salary cap, luxury tax, and that creates issues. Um, and and look, I think the challenge out there, and I talked about this for college football in general, and it, it certainly it applies to college basketball as well and other sports to a lesser degree. Um, it's not only NIL. It's NIL in conjunction with unlimited transfer. Because I talked about this before, and... I don't know that anybody's done it yet, but I just want you to, to, to think about it. In the NFL, or in, let's just use the NFL because it's a, a, a obviously very successful big sports league. In the NFL, you have a situation where when you sign a contract, you are locked in. So, for instance, if you are a first-round draft pick in the NFL this year, you have a five-year guaranteed contract. The team that drafted you has your rights for five years. You have a slotted salary. That's what you're going to make. After five years, you can become a free agent. Sometimes you can get tagged, as we talked about earlier this week, uh, with the franchise tag. But in general, five years as a first-round pick. I believe second-round picks get four-year contracts in NFL. All right. If you are right now a five-star stud college football talent, you can sign 
a monster NIL deal as a senior in high school to be applied with for you uh, to go uh, be a freshman, right? There are lots of examples of this. Big contract. You're a stud quarterback, for instance. You signed an NIL deal for your freshman year. After your freshman year, you could decide, let's say you play really well. After that freshman year, I haven't seen anybody get sued under this yet. After your freshman year, you can leave. Put yourself back in the transfer portal and go to the next highest bidder. Let's say you stay and play for two years. Let's say you're also super supremely committed in the classroom and you're staying there in the summers and you're working. You could graduate in three years. Then you can take advantage of the graduate transfer exemption. And in a four-year period, you could sign three different NIL deals with three different teams. Which means if you're really talented in college football, for instance, you can make millions of dollars and make the money by having three different schools bid for your talents. That opportunity doesn't exist in the NFL. You have a great rookie year on your NFL contract. You're still under contract. You don't get the opportunity to walk. So this is unprecedented. So it's not just NIL existing. It's NIL in conjunction with freedom to transfer. I'm not opposed to either. I'm a capitalist. But I would suggest that the thing that probably makes a lot of sense is if you're going to have NIL, you probably should still require anybody who transfers to have to sit out for a year. Because then, at least, there is some sort of restriction to the free agency you can't just immediately go from playing football, for instance, for Ohio State and be on Michigan the next year. I think that's super rational, and I'm a believer, I'm a capitalist, but I think that would probably create better stability uh, for the overall college experience. Now, the big picture question is how is, like I talked about this, let me, let me dive into this for a minute. The uh, Attorney General of the State of Tennessee, Jonathan Skirmetti, wrote a letter to the NCAA. That letter is up on OutKick. You can go read it. Trey Wallace wrote a good piece surrounding it. And that article says, uh, that that letter says, that if the NCAA tried to penalize the University of Tennessee for uh, for uh, impermissible behavior, paying players variety of uh, alleged NCAA infractions under Jeremy Pruitt, they said, the, NCAA, uh, the, the Attorney General did, if you don't let Tennessee play in a bowl game, then we will sue you under state of Tennessee NIL law. This is a big deal. I know some of you out there listen and or, uh, and or watch and you're law students. This would be a heck of a law review article because what you're now getting is 50 different states are passing their version of 50 different NIL laws and they are saying that the state NIL law takes precedence over all NCAA rules. So the state of Tennessee's attorney general said, hey, if you give the University of Tennessee a bowl ban, we're going to sue you for violating NIL law, which allows players to play in bowl games and basically have a property interest in being able to monetize their talent. It's fascinating. And so what you're going to get is 50 different state NIL laws 
And those 50 different state NIL laws all take precedence over the NCAA. But it also creates a real mess in terms of competitive balance because every state has a different law associated with it. My point on that is the NIL law in California is different. That would apply to USC, Cal, uh, that would apply to UCLA, all the schools in California. Well, it's different than the one in Alabama that would apply to Alabama and Auburn or the one in Ohio for Ohio State or the one in Tennessee for Tennessee. And so all of these different laws create a huge mess for the NCAA and I believe have default written the NCAA rulebook out of existence. Because what is the NCAA even looking at now? It used to be improper benefits, but if the NCAA can't really levy penalties based on state NIL law, at least not significant penalties, what does the NCAA exist for? And this is why several of the conferences are now trying to argue that we need a national NIL legislation, which would put in place one rule book effectively for all 50 states. So the rule in Mississippi where Lane Kiffin is coaching, and we started off talking about this, is not different than New York where Syracuse University is located or Michigan where all the, the, the Michigan schools are located, right? It's really very fascinating to think about. And again, if you are a kid, maybe you're in sports law class. Maybe you are in law school right now. It's a fascinating paper to write. Because under federalism, state law triumphs unless there is a federal law that comes over the top and and you know takes control of this issue. So right now you got 50 different state laws. And every state can make a decision about what their NIL law can be. And state politicians can tell the NCAA, hey, if you try to enforce your NCAA rule, it may well run directly in conflict with the state law. Therefore, effectively, the NCAA has no power. Um, I, I think it's a really fascinating uh, uh, debate and discussion. A couple of other stories. Report out there that Harry and Meghan, after the Queen's funeral, requested a ride back to the United States on Air Force One. This, if this is true, now the, there's denial, there's a, the, the reports out there. Uh, some people are saying it's not true. If this is true, can you imagine the entitlement involved in asking for a ride back to the United States over the Atlantic Ocean on Air Force One? This is next-level entitlement. I would feel bad asking for a ride on Air Force One across the country, across the Atlantic Ocean, or anywhere for that matter, if one of my good friends was president of the United States, I would still feel like I was mooching off of them if I said, hey, can I hop a ride on Air Force One back to the United States? Harry and Meghan asked, and the report is that they thought it would be too much of a, what, what's the report here? Uh, I think I've got the article pulled up right now. Uh, the report is, that uh, that the White House declined um, because, uh, let's see, what was the report here? Uh, they thought it would be uh, it would be too much of a uh, too much of a story. The White House worried escorting. This is according to the New York Post. Uh, sorry, the Daily Mail. White House worried escorting the strange royals back across the pond would cause a commotion. Yeah, you think? 
But also, how about the fact that they even asked? The entitlement on this couple is unbelievable. You're rich. Fly your own self back to the United States. Get a ride on Air Force One. It's unbelievable. Finally, uh, Jordan Addison. We were talking about guys switching around from one school to another. I believe I'm correct. Jordan Addison, star wide receiver at Pittsburgh, uh, transferred to USC for his last year of eligibility, made a lot of money under NIL law, uh, under the California NIL law, and thanks to the USC Trojans paying him, uh, transferred to USC. He was drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. This morning at 3 a.m., he was cited for going 140 miles an hour in a 55-mile-an-hour speed, uh, speed limit. That is pretty crazy. 140 miles an hour in a 55-mile-an-hour zone. I don't even know how you don't get arrested for going 140 and a 55. Thankfully, he's okay. But the Henry Ruggs situation, I would think, would be uh, paramount in a wide receiver's mind. Obviously, Henry Ruggs was drunk when he was driving that fast. But my goodness, 140 miles an hour in a 55. Woo! Uh, thankfully, nobody got hurt, uh, but that is pretty crazy. All right. Love all you guys. Uh, go buy the book, American Playbook. I'm going to be all over the country. Cannot wait for that. Uh, DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. This has been Outkick, the show.